This is the latest episode of Earning Their Stripes. As always, my name is Danny Martinez alongside Ian Smith and Ethan Badowski. Fellas, happy All-Star break. Happy Futures game. Ethan, how you doing, man? I'm feeling good, man. Coming off a great weekend. Fourth of July was a lot of fun. Futures game was great. Women's World Cup was awesome. Congratulations to those ladies for an amazing performance. And yeah, I'm ready to get back to it, man. I missed uh, talking with you guys last week. What you got for me, Ian? Ah, man, same thing, man. I feel like we've been gone for about a month, and I know it hasn't been that long, but we're really glad to be back talking baseball with you boys. And it's been a fun week, so let's see what we got. Yeah, I've been itching for this podcast, so I'm excited. Me I'm too. excited to be back. Uh, we have a lot to talk about. Futures game, we're going to talk a little Sixto Sanchez, Isan Diaz. Monta Harrison couldn't play because he was hurt, but we'll give him some love as well. Also going to talk about what we would do with the Isan Diaz promotion. This is something, if you've heard us before, we've spoken about it, but it continues to make its waves back into the media because whether it's Joe Fasaro, whether it's our you know, our guy, Craig Mish, or it's us, we discuss when Isan Diaz is going to be up in his number one jersey with his high knees at Marlins <laughs> Park. And then we're going to finish up uh, with the international market. The Marlins, again, were a big player in the international market. So we're going to discuss that and give you some love in our segments today. Let's start off with the Futures game. The Marlins got three selections, which is significant. It's the most that the Marlins have ever had as uh, being representatives to the Futures game. Sixto Sanchez, Isan Diaz, and Monte Harrison were selected. Like I said, Monte Harrison could not play because of the injury to his wrist, and hopefully we'll have more on that soon. But Isan Diaz and Sixto Sanchez did, and my opinion is that it was just exciting to see them out there. They both flashed mm -hmm. talent. Mm -hmm. um, not that I'm going to put too much of an emphasis on how they performed, but it was nice to see all of the love that Diaz got as well as Sixto. Ethan, I'll let you go first, man. What'd you think about it? What'd you see? I know you were excited about it. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I was, um, you know, with Gallon and Yams coming up recently, I've talked about how it's just so cool to just see these guys play and see these guys, you know, go about their business. And uh, because all I see is the numbers in the box score, you know, from the day to day. So to actually see these guys in uniform on the field, doing their thing was so cool. And uh, uh, Sixto's electric, man. I mean, he only pitched two and a thirds innings. Uh, he gave up a run uh, or a hit, excuse me. I don't think he struck anybody out, but that, fastball man i mean he was just gunning it at 100 he touched 100 a few times i think i saw his average fastball was like 99.3 or something just ridiculous like that mm -hmm. i mean and he just cocks back and just guns it man and it looks effortless and really like you know ian we, we talked about when you went to see him that your comparison after that was johnny cueto with more velocity and harold reynolds on the broadcast actually made that comparison and um i completely i told you at the time that i see it and after watching him for the first time you know in action uh, i totally see that uh he, he almost has the kind of same delivery it just looks effortless and he just throws hard and i loved how he was locating that slider on the on the his arm side of the plate uh he was throwing it front door to righties and back door to lefties and putting it right on the corner and uh he's got some sick stuff man and just to, like I said, and then, you know, to see Isan out there, obviously I've obsessed over Isan all year long. And, I, you know, I had that article while we were gone about how he should be in the bigs and he should be in the bigs. And, um, 
you know, he didn't get a hit or anything, but he made a couple of nice defensive plays. He was looking like my boy Javi out there at second base with that tag on a great throw uh, by, I think it was Joey Bart. So, just yeah, I mean, just seeing them was so cool, and I can't wait to see Isan. I feel like we're going to see him really soon here. And so to get a just a peek at uh, what's coming was so cool, but 6-0 absolutely blew me away. Yeah, man. I mean, 6-0 has been really exciting to watch recently. I mean, he went and pitched a rough outing last week in Jacksonville. He was on a short rest. He went four days so he could pitch in the Futures game this week, and man, was he electric. Yeah, like you said, I think his fastball was 99.2. I think that was just below the second in the game below Nate Pearson's, but who's also 6'6", 250. But um, <laughs> the, the hit the hit that even Sixto gave him this game was yeah. a chopper to Joe Adele. Like the, he mm-hmm. barely got a ball, barely got a bat on it. It squeaked through there, and he just looked good. He was ready to pitch. Um, I don't think we're going to see much more of him in Double A after he gets back. But it was extremely exciting to see him in this game. Asan, oh man, Asan's definitely my guy. You got to know that he's been my guy for the whole year. He looked fantastic on defense. He looked ready to play. He looked like an all-star already. I mean, he was ready to go. He was ready for the show. He's, he's going to be here soon. We'll talk about that more in a little bit. But it was a really exciting weekend for Marlins prospects. Have, being one of five teams to send three to send three players to the Futures game is exciting. And that's something we've never done before. But I see happening probably consistently in the future with the way this organization's going. But it was just a great weekend overall for Marlins, for Marlins fans. Yeah, I just want to touch on that, Ian. Like, just the recognition that the Marlins are getting right now that something is, you know, actually going on here. Um, they were obsessing over Sixto Sanchez in the way that he was just touching 100 with ease. Harold Reynolds was praising Isan Diaz and saying, you know, the, the way he hit the ball in batting practice is so impressive. I think it was, I think his name is Miguel Amaya, the catcher for the club in the club's organization, said yeah. that Diaz took the most impressive batting practice. Um, there were reporters out there saying that Isan blew them away in batting practice. And it was like, you know, there was some weird weather. So he wasn't like yeah, he nailing him out of the park. But, but yeah, but he was really put, putting the ball everywhere and, just to see these guys get the recognition they deserve and to actually hear something about Marlon's prospects uh, was just so cool. The broadcast was great and uh, it was, it was awesome. Yeah. The broadcast even stated something that a lot of us have been discussing, which was maybe we should take a break and think about these trades long-term. I think that it was while Isan was up, uh, you know, they kept gassing up and praising again, like you said, both Isan and Sixto. And then they kept mentioning, Oh, by the way, Sixto was in the JT Ramudo trade and Isan was in the uh, Yelich trade and Monte Harrison, if he was healthy, would be here too. And suddenly these trades look different. Uh, before we move on to the conversation of Isan Diaz or whatever final thoughts you guys have here, I just want to add one thing. What's really exciting to me about the Futures game is that this is really the creme of the creme, the top of the top, Yeah. right? And mm-hmm. still, our guys were the ones that people remembered. I mean, Isan Diaz, that's what everyone kept talking about. You already mentioned it, but whether it was J.J. Cooper, whether it was anyone from Baseball America, they kept tweeting out, Isan Diaz was the most impressive swing. Isan Diaz showed some pop. I think the, the joke was that the, the winner of... Uh, the BP was actually the wind 
because the wind yeah. is dropping off the balls, except for Isan Diaz. You know, and then Sixto Sanchez goes out there and he looks like one of the more dominant pitchers that you saw in a game where everyone is dominant. Oh, it you know, dominant. It, it's 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 exciting to see that because we're no longer praying for our middling prospect that got chosen to represent us to maybe do something in the game and show something. No, we're seeing the top guys where the ones that people remember actually have a Marlins patch on their jersey. So it was it was really awesome to see them heavily represented. It was great that they went out there and showed their skills. Shame that Monte was hurt and couldn't, you know, play in it. Um, even though let me just give out some yeah. love really quickly to Monte Harrison and the fact that he quoted the the on on yes. his peanuts. Yes. Yeah, it was fantastic. It was that fantastic. Was awesome. I, I, I sent I love him that these Go ahead. I love that these guys know what's going on, man. Mm-hmm. They know the criticism that they've taken and they know that right now they're proving it looks like they all came out on a mission to prove them people wrong this year because they've all been talking about it. And it's very similar to what he said in his podcast with us, in his interview with yeah. us, which is that, you know, they might not see it coming, but we're coming and we're coming for championships. For for those of those for those of you that might not understand the peanut reference on Twitter, you know, a lot of us and a lot of Marlins fans uh, got so tired of people saying, oh, well, they traded away all these all-stars for peanuts that every single day when one of these guys would perform as they have been doing, you know, we would say, oh, that's just another peanut or they came from the peanut factory or, you know, there's our the peanut, peanut gallery. Being- Right, the peanut gallery. So it's awesome to see Monte Harrison have insight on that and not just have insight on it, but quote tweet with, you know, the two or three peanuts and then exclamation point. So Monte, keep doing that because we loved it. Uh, And I'm sure that Isan Diaz, his brother, I'm sure that the rest of the players as well kind of are understanding that. But it's great to see them do that. Uh, While we're talking about Isan Diaz, I, I said, you know, we have spoken about this before. We had an entire segment on what we would do and how we would handle the eventual promotions of Monte, of Brinson. Uh, we should probably talk about his stance too a little bit because Brinson's stance continues to change. He keeps playing with it a little bit. Um, and Isan Diaz. We've had that conversation, but things change. Things are dynamic. And quite frankly, a lot of Miami media members keep bringing up the conversation of what to do with Isan. So let's bring it to this podcast. Uh, I'm going to start with Ian. Ian, what do you do and what do you think are the factors of around Isan Diaz's current performance versus when we see him at Marlins Park? It's becoming more and more murky by the day. Um, Asan is doing everything he needs to do to be in the major leagues right now. And it's just not happening due to the fact that there's somebody there playing every day at second base. Starling Castro is still in second base in Miami and he might be there for the rest of the year with the difficulty to trade him. I mean, it's tough to say when he's going to, it's tough to say when Hassan's going to come up right now. I've heard rumblings that he may be up before the end of the month. I've heard rumblings about August. Um, he's definitely will be up in the majors this year. It's just really becoming really hard to say when um, seasoning has been an issue has been a comment made that he needs more time in the minors. And that could be true, but he's 24 about to be 24 years old here soon. He's got an elite plate discipline. He's got power, and he plays well. He plays good defense. There's not much more you can do against AAA pitching when you're hitting like this. So it's best, it's best to get this guy in the majors as soon as they can. But I don't think they're going to bring him up unless they can play him probably every day. And they shouldn't, right? We shouldn't bring up Isan to be in a platoon role, you know, or a pinch hitter off the bench. Um, he should be up and he should be playing every day because he's a part of our future. He's the second baseman of the future, as we all see it right now. And so when it's time for him to come to the big leagues, 
he should be getting all the at-bats. And, um, you know, I talked about, I, I wrote this article. It was after, it was part of the, you know, in, in relation to the Yams article I wrote. And it was after that and before, uh, since we've been on. But anyway, I wrote this article about uh, Isan and I said in it that do whatever you can to get that spot open for Isan because he's ready. He is ready to be here. When he came on the podcast, you know, he kind of held back when I asked him, you know, is it tough to be on the doorstep and, and, uh, and, and, you know, not get that call and be performing so well and not get that call. And he kind of held back, but just now, you know, I saw a quote from him over the weekend that he said, uh, it's here. I can smell it. You know, I'm so close and he's ready. The guy's ready. He's ready mentally and he's ready physically and he's ready from a baseball standpoint. So I think we need to do what we can. The Marlins should do what they can to open up that roster spot and, and get him in here because he should be in here. Um, you know, at this point, what are you gonna, really going to get for Castro? You know, whether he hits three, you know, five home runs in the month of July, you know, what are you going to get for him then versus now? I don't really think it's going to, it's going to be pretty minimal no matter what you do. So I think you should just trade him for whatever you can, because at this point it's really all about opening the roster spot. It's not about getting anything in return anymore. It's about opening the roster spot so that Isan Diaz can be here every day at second base, not at third base playing the position that he's meant to play in the major leagues and hopefully raking the way that he's been in AAA. Yeah, I 100,000 million percent agree. I mean, number one, if he's not here by August 1st after the deadline, I'll be disappointed, okay? Yeah. If he's not here in September, I'm going to throw a fit because <laughs> here's here's the situation. Number one, Starling Castro's gone this year, okay? Number one, we wouldn't retain him anyway, but his, op- his option is gone. So you might as well get something. I don't care if that if there's nothing on the table and someone says, "Hey, here's like two hundred fifty thousand dollars of IFA deal, take it deal." Like you accept it because then he's gone. You have something for him, and you bring up Isan Diaz. For those that say he needs seasoning, do you know why you say you need seasoning? Because there's nothing else you could point to to leave him down there. Yeah. Oh, you want him to strike out less? He's at twenty percent for the year. Oh, you want him to walk more? He's at twelve percent for the year. Oh, you want some more power? Nope. I, I mean, there's nothing there for you to yeah. be able to actually pinpoint. Right now, I say you. It's not you, Ethan. You know, mm-hmm. other individuals that say <laughs> no, to, to not bring him saying. up. Uh, you know, there's nothing there for you to say. Well, he needs to work on that. So instead of saying that because there's nothing <laughs> to say, we say seasoning. Oh, he needs some more time in AAA. He needs to get to 40 home runs instead of 35. You know, it, it's let's it's leave absurd. him a little longer so he can be Rookie of the Year next year. Like, and even come that. on. Right. And, and, and that Who I understand cares? from a from a fan's perspective, I can I could sympathize with that. I don't agree with it. But from a fan's perspective, I could sympathize with that. However, when we're talking about trying to say objective things, why he has to stay. Look, there's an argument maybe for why Monte Harrison should get a, a longer look, especially with these injuries. Yes. There's an argument maybe definitely for why Sixto shouldn't be up. There's an argument even for Lewis Brinson, even though he got demoted and is leading with OPS ever since being demoted. But this, you know, Isan Diaz is ready. He's ready. He said all yeah. the right things. He's done all the right things on the field. He's not playing at third. If anything, he would play short before he plays third in my <laughs> eyes because he actually has played shortstop before. So, you know, this is something where obviously I'm going on a little bit of a rampage. But if the kid's not up here Do by it. August 1st, I'm surprised if he's not up here at all this year. Just, you know, I don't know. Delete me from the podcast because <laughs> I, I don't I don't understand it unless 
and then here's where things get dirty unless the Marlins are going to do what other organizations have done and you know manipulate service time so they could get an extra year next year. I, I don't know what their plan is, but when we're talking about ready, I have some fix that coming. Yeah, it, when, when, when we're talking about ready, he's ready. He doesn't need yeah. seasoning. No, I, I talked about this, Danny, in the article where I was like, you know, if you listen to the pod, you know that I've been the biggest proponent of leaving these guys down to build their confidence in AAA. Um, you know, obviously, I, I've been the biggest proponent of leaving Lou down, of leaving Monte down. But what I followed that up by saying is that they still have some concerns in their game. The strikeouts are still too high for Monte, even though he has gotten them down from last year. Lewis, obviously, the strikeouts, you know, is the thing that we're all worried about. But he's made other adjustments that suggest something could be changing. With Isan, there's nothing. There's nothing left. The strikeouts are down. He's hitting for more power. He's making way more contact, which was like the one thing that we talked about last year with him was, well, he only hit 240. He's hitting in the 280s or 290s. He's been around there all year this year. So there's nothing left for him to prove. He's made the adjustments that we wanted to see him make. The strikeouts are lower than they have ever been. The average is higher than it's ever been. There's more power than there's ever been. Did he tie his home run record yet? Did he get to 20 yet? He did, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's more power than there's ever been. There's nothing left for him to prove in AAA. He is ready. This is the first time besides, you know, it, 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 with Gallon and with him, these guys are ready. And with Gallon, it was just the waiting game for the roster spot. Now it's just the waiting game for the roster spot. And uh, let's, let's find it. <laughs> let's do everything we can to get this roster spot. Yeah, and, and some people will point to the fact that they're now starting to use Major League Baseballs at AAA, and he is in a yeah. very pro-hitter-friendly situation, but what he's doing, he would be leading in other leagues too. I mean, the the yeah. contact that he's making, the, the OBP king, right? He's always going to get on base, even if his average is low. And for what it's worth, you know, we look at certain grades, and I swear that the broadcast was about, I sent this out, was about to laugh and ridicule or critique, to put it in a nice way, some of the grades that Isan originally got from the grading services that the broadcast used. Um, because him 50 across the board, I think we could make a very fair argument to say that those 50s, some of them should probably be 55s. I also think that we're starting to see like 2080 Baseball, Baseball America, realizing that Isan's glove might actually be better than they originally gave him credit for. Yeah. We got to see mm. really two nice plays. Again, not that two plays in an exhibition all-star game matters much, but it's still baseball. It's still a glove. It's still a dirt, and it's still throwing to first base. And he made really nice versus the swipe tag and then the throw across his body. I'm just beyond ready for this kid to be at second base yep. for us to see who I think could be a future all-star. I know a lot of us here agree on that. Um, it's just going to be really exciting to see him. And yeah, he, he doesn't, he doesn't need seasoning. He's, he's ready to go. Uh, Ian, do you have any thoughts on this? Uh, I mean, you guys really covered it all. I think on this one, I think we really want to see a son in Miami. I think there's really nothing else we need to do or see to make that happen besides an open spot at second base. And as soon as that happens, we're going to see Hassan never leave that base for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. 
it, it's going to be exciting. Uh, well, well, let's touch really quickly, just if anyone has any information on Monte Harrison, the fact that he was hurt, if we're expecting anything differently from him, you know, this might delay a promotion or um, the expectation for him to be in, in September. What do you guys think about this? Does this change the ETA much? Is there anything we're hearing about that? Or is it somewhat just, you know, a get ready, show what you can do, and you still have a shot at being here in September? I think he'll be here in September regardless. I think I haven't heard much on the injury front on when he will be back or anything like that, but it doesn't seem like it's the most serious injury. He's not, um, there's no, no surgery or anything like that. So I still think if he gets back and has a strong August or a pretty strong August, he'll be here in September. I think he'll be the last one to come up this year out of the three, but I still believe he'll be in September. Yeah, yeah. I think that, go ahead, Ethan. I, I think it's good that they're being cautious with him. Uh, dude's raking. Uh, I think if he was playing, he'd be raking. Um, so there's really no reason to, you know, play him right now if he has something that's nagging him that could become a bigger issue. And clearly it's nagged him because he's been in and out of the lineup a lot since, uh, like, early June, I think it was, when he made that first DL stint. But um, – the, the kid's raking. He was showing us what we needed to. The power was back. He was making a ton of contact. Uh, the Ks were down from last year, you know. So, uh, yeah, there's nothing. He should be here in September just to get a look at him. And then, you know, he might do kind of like what Gallon did where goes down at the beginning of next year after spring training. But, gets you know, I think he, he should definitely get a look here at the end of the year. Yeah, well said. I agree. All right. So then from guys that we should get a look at at the end of the year who are knocking on the big league door to fellows that we will not see for another four or five years. Uh, the Marlins were active again in the international free agency market, which is something we've spoken about here before, something that we will continue to praise. And I will continue to praise from the highest mountaintops because the Marlins need to be aggressive on the international front. Last year they go, they get the consensus number one in Victor Victor Mesa. They get his younger brother, which we at some point we'll talk about because he's been doing great things with the Marlins yeah. thus far. Number one, he's a great personality. Him and like Nassim Nunez have already like a bromance that's going on. So it's it. going to be great to watch them. Yeah. Like develop across, uh, across the years. Uh, but they follow that up a very active international free agency market with another active international free agency market uh, and, and pool that they have had. They sign to the moment, 11 international free agents. Okay. Two of them are ranked in pipeline. Jesse Sanchez's ranking of top international uh, free agents. I always say that if there is one niche in baseball that I trust, it is Sanchez and the international market. He has his mm -hmm. thumb all over this. Um, you know, I think it was Ian who made the joke that that's the day you got to have him on your notifications and Twitter mm -hmm. because he he tells uh, you know everyone who who's coming to their team. Jose Salas is a shortstop who is described as one of the most advanced bats in the pool, and the Marlins signed him. He's ranked number 10. Number 24 on that list was another shortstop, Junior Sanchez. Then we had the report by Craig Mish that Ian Lewis, which is a shortstop as well, there's a theme here that the Marlins are targeting, from the mm -hmm. Bahamas, a very highly regarded switch hitter, was signed. And then we have this little wrinkle where the number 7 uh, overall prospect international pool, Yidi Cape from Cuba, is also likely signing with Miami next year's free agency. Now, this might sound similar because we had a brief conversation about this when the report first came out. However, we have to talk about it again because now these guys are signed, with the exception of Yidi Cape, who should sign 
next year. Uh, Ian, I'll let you go first. You know, what does it mean for the organization to be able to bring in these guys? And I know that you were able to write on Ian Lewis. Tell us a little bit about him as well. Well, I think this class they put together this year has been fantastic. Um, 2018-2019 international free agency for the Marlins has been tremendous. Um, it's been something that we've never seen before out of this team where we're really being doing our due diligence in the market and really taking time and putting effort into these guys, and you're seeing the results. We've never signed guys like this before, ever. Like I have said, like I just said, it's never happened. And to, to sign two top 30 guys and another guy who can stick a shortstop is exciting. Um, Ian Lewis is the guy of the Bahamas who he's coming out of a camp that's produced a bunch of young kids that are doing major things in the minor leagues right now, like Jazz Chisholm and Lucius Fox, uh, Deshaun Knowles, guys like this, a bunch of, a bunch of talented young men. And Ian Lewis is a switch hitter. He's a strong right-handed bat. He plays very good defense. He's got a strong arm for his 16 year old body, but these guys are talented. Um, our guy I want to talk about real quick is Junior Sanchez. Um, he was our sec- He was our second highest pool pick at a little over a million dollars. He's got a bunch of tools that you can just drool over. He's got an extremely strong left-handed swing. He reminds me of Alfonso Soriano a lot, which is a, a tough comp, but he's he's a talented guy, man. He's, he looks really good. I don't think he's going to stick it short. I think he's more of a, a, a second baseman or a quarter infielder, but he's talented. And the last guy I really want to talk about is an under-the-radar signing, and that's a, a right-handed pitcher named Yuri Perez. Um, ben Badler from Baseball America posted a video, I think it was back in March, of this kid throwing, and it was Yuri Perez. He's 6'6 at 15. It's huge. Yeah, he pumps mid-80s. He's got a, he's got, yeah. He's got he's got a he's got a mid eighties fastball, but the real the real special pitch he's got he's got a curveball that sits about seventy five that just breaks. Watching video on this guy, it looked like a, a much larger Edward Cabrera, and um, if he can do anything like that, then we have an extremely talented guy because I think we got him for a little bit under a hundred thousand dollars, and that's that's a win. We signed we signed Edward for a hundred grand in two thousand fifteen, so this could be another one just like that. It was just an extremely exciting time to see them really just sign guys. I was almost more excited this year with this class than last year. We had all our eggs in one basket last year, and mm-hmm. we, we succeeded, and we got what we wanted. But this year, we really spread out and got a bunch of names that could be talented players in our organization for the next few years. Yeah, I think you make a great point, Ian, about spreading out. Uh, you said it was 11 guys, I think, Danny, and – uh, mm-hmm. They all really seem to have some upside, especially the the two at the top. Uh, you know, I'm not going to pre- pretend to know too much about you know each individual guy, uh, even the right. top guys. But for for me, um, from uh, from my perspective, it's about the the overall and the plan that the Marlins are 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 going after going with here in the IFA market, and it's something that Danny you talk about all the time on Twitter. I know. And it's something that I've advocated for a lot too, and Ian, you you have as well. Um, look at the talent that's taking over baseball right now. So much of it has come out of the international market, um, and and a lot of it is you know outfielders and and middle infielders. And so um, I love what the Marlins are doing, going for talented guys, and and like I said, like just so much of this young talent and there's so much young talent. I was just talking about it today with a friend, so much young talent in baseball right now is coming out of that market. 
And I just think that it's so good to see them invested in it, to see them really, really being aggressive. And this year, not just going after one big guy, but going after a, you know, a flurry of guys and really signing a load of talent. So um, it's a huge part of the plan. It's something that I've always thought was going to be a huge part of the rebuild. And I love the way they're being aggressive with it. I saw something, it was um, that reporter you mentioned, Danny, I can't, Jesse Sanchez, right? Correct. Yeah. Um, yeah. He, he put an article out, you know, a previewing the market like the day before and it was, you know, it was a bunch of questions, you know, basic questions for people that don't really understand the IFA market. But it was like, which team should I expect to be mo- most aggressive? And when you looked at his list, it was some of the top organizations in baseball, some of the top uh, farm systems in baseball, uh, the Cubs, the Yankees, the Reds, the Giants, the Rangers, you know, some of these really good organizations and Every teams. Year. And then it was the Marlins Mm -hmm. and it was teams that have been doing this for a long time. The Padres, I think were one of the teams mentioned, and it's been teams that have been doing this for a long time. And then the new babies showing up in the Marlins and they've been really aggressive the last two years. And it's about goddamn time that we got aggressive because it used to be, we trade all our IFA money away for Mm -hmm. useless trash. You know what I mean? Just garbage. And now, Right. And now we're, we're taking in the money and we're spending it and we're using it wisely and aggressively. And it's so good to see because it's not the centerpiece of a rebuild. Obviously, the centerpiece of our rebuild personally was the trades and the assets that we had. But it's a very nice complement to what the Marlins have done with the draft, what they did with the trades and what they did with last year's IFA market. And based off of the past two years, I can't see it slowing down next year. We already have Cape. Uh, looks like he's coming next year and then I'm sure we'll be even more active next year. So uh, yeah, it's just, it's so exciting to see us mentioned with some of those top organizations because uh, that's how it should be. That's what we were hoping for. And we're making our way up into that kind of group, you know? Yeah. In a uh, organizational change of transfer of owners. Okay. That was really mouthy to say in, in, in two different owners, it is the single biggest, in my opinion, change that we have seen. And there have been a lot yeah. of changes, but this is significant. Yeah. I'm going to hit on two things, one for each of you. Ethan, you said, you know, this isn't the centerpiece. Correct. This isn't the centerpiece of the rebuild, but make no mistake. And I know you know this. I'm just saying this for the audience. It mm-hmm. can be. Fernando Tatis was signed internationally. Acuna. Um, Vladimir, yeah, Acuna, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Sixto Sanchez was signed internationally by the Phillies. This is something that can rock your organization and turn Absolutely. it on its head for the right way. For Ian, I'll say this. I loved what you said. You said that this year they didn't put all of their eggs in one basket. They might have come out with even a, a better, stronger haul at the end of the line. Uh, I'll even say they kind of are doing both because they got all of these guys signed and then they seem to have this agreement with who might yeah. be the prize of this year's international market, even if yeah. it's signed in next year's deadline. Because Yeri Cape, and I'll just give him love, my fellow Cuban, he is compared, and this is a direct quote from Jesse Sanchez, he has the body frame similar to a young Carlos Correa or Dar- Derek Jeter at a similar age with the potential to fill out as he develops. He projects to have average to plus tools across the board, a hit of 55, a power of 55, a run of 55, an arm of 60, and then average fielding. This is not someone to be overlooked. 
if the Marlins really do have an agreement with him, which they can, although it will not be official, right? Even on his profile page, it's him with a Marlins hat. Uh, he had it on his Instagram, a Marlins baseball player, even though I'm sure his agent told him to took it down and take it down, and he did. If the Marlins come out with this haul this year of signed players, and they're able to get Yiri Cape to sign next year, I think the reported number is 3.5 at the moment, which is significant, but it shows you the talent he has. I mean, what an impressive international yeah. signing period so uh, hats off to them it's the biggest difference in my opinion of what they've been able to do from trading it for scraps to bringing in a bunch of a bunch of gems really is what you're hoping for and that your yeah. developmental uh you know program can make them into a tatis into a guerrero into a sixto so hats off to them yeah. um now just- let's Go ahead. Yeah. I just want to mention one more thing, Danny. Uh, you talked about how they can turn into the cornerstone. Um, two of the top five prospects in baseball right now are signed off the international free agency market, and then you can throw two more into the top 15. Uh, Wander Franco, the number one overall prospect, was an international yeah. free agent, and Luis Robert was, uh, number, is the number five overall prospect, uh, according to Pipeline. And he was also signed off the international market. And then you've seen what Jordan Alvarez has done in the major leagues. And Christian Pache has, was one of the most hyped prospects last night. So um, all, the, all the talent, so much of the talent in baseball right now is coming out of this. And it's good to be aggressive. It's, it's fantastic. The last thing I want to say on this is last year in the during the Mesa conference, the quote from Jeter was, we want to be the top, the, 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 the destination for top international talent. And that has to be the the main focus. There's no reason that Miami shouldn't be yes. the main destination mm-hmm. for international talent. For the melting pot we have in this community, and to add these players with this flamboyant and um, extreme, extremely talented athletes would be perfect for the city of Miami. And they're really showing a, a great job at going forward towards that. And it's the one part in baseball, aside from your own personal development, it's the one part in baseball where we can really say that there is a cap, there is a limit, the, the bigger teams cannot necessarily overspend. You you have your pool, it is assigned by mer- various different variations of what happened and how much you spent last year, but you have a pool. You could always go and acquire more, right? But you can't have like how the Yankees would have done five or so years ago before this last previous agreement where we're just going to buy all of our players in the international market and the lower markets that aren't going to spend aren't going to worry about that. Now there's the designated pool. So the fact that the Marlins have identified this as something where they need to win and quite frankly are doing a very good job at it. Think about this. Over the last year, they have won, hypothetically, Last year's international free agency, a lot of individuals have them as a top three draft class of this year, and now they come out with another great international free agency from what we see uh, class. So just hats off, hats off to them. I want to get that in there before we go into our trending players. Uh, I'm going to go with Ian first. Ian, you know, we have time. We want to get to our segments, but if there is there anyone that you feel you want to highlight position players, pitching players thus far uh, over the last 10 days and then over the last month for pitchers? Oh man, I mean it's been it's been a good month. I mean everybody's been playing really well so far. But a couple guys that have really been on my mind is um excuse me. Demetrius Sims is still hitting the ball very well in Jack in Jupiter. It's been exciting to see since he's got his call up. I know that's your guy, Danny, and he's been playing really good baseball since he's been up there. Um I'm gonna get into a couple trending guys or a couple of guys that my that I was gonna do for my list, but I'm not gonna do that today. Um 
Milton Smith. What more can yeah. you say about Milton Smith? He just hits the ball. He's all over it every day. He's just, I mean, it's, it's exciting to see. He's, he hasn't started, he hasn't stolen very many bases yet, but it's coming. Um, he get, He's a talented young guy. Bubba Holland's another one still hitting the ball. He's, I don't know why he's still in Clinton. It's, it's, it's surprising to me, but um, we could see him in Jupiter real soon as well. Those are my guys for right now. I mean, I'll talk about a few more when we get to our segments, but uh, yeah, th- there's been a lot of talent the last few, the last month. Yeah, I'm I'm glad you brought up Milton because that dude just keeps on hitting, and uh, another dude that keeps on hitting. I mean, dudes that keep on hitting is these college guys that we brought in this year, man. I mean, they just yeah. haven't stopped hitting. Really, all they do is get yeah. on base. Uh, they if they're not hitting, they're drawing one or two walks a game, um, and all these guys are doing is getting on base and and hitting the ball. Uh, Burdick's still having a pretty nice year. Uh, Edwards has kind of slowed down in Clinton, but he's still hitting the ball pretty well. Uh, it's just these guys are just, you know, raking. And we talked about it, and I'll say it over and over. These guys are pure hitters with power. I loved what you when we were talking about the draft class, Danny, what you said with mm-hmm. that. And it's just these guys know how to hit the ball. They know how to get on base and they're polished. They've proven they can do it at a high level. And so far in the bigs, um, they've moved up a level and they are doing it. So I would love to see JD or get a call up soon. Uh, he just keeps mm-hmm. on hitting in Batavia. Uh, I don't know why he's not in Clinton yet. I've been doing everything for a couple. Yeah. I've been saying for a couple of weeks now that he should be in Batavia. Um, but uh, or in Clinton, excuse me, uh, walking at a 20% clip over the last uh, 10 days, 843 OPS, uh, five stolen bases, and only six strikeouts. I mean, none of these guys really strike out a ton. They're just pure hitters. They put the bat mm-hmm. on the ball, and they get on the base. And that's what we've been looking for in this system. Uh, it's what we've talked about all year is what this system needed. And now we're getting it, and they're here, and they're arriving, and they're performing. And, uh, it's, it's really, it's really, really awesome. Yeah. Some other guys that I'll just give you the names, not too much of the information. Connor Scott's had a pretty nice 10 days. Lasso Alonzo, the first base prospect that I talk about are once in a while as well. Like you mentioned the college guys that we just drafted, just keep on hitting. Uh, Gabby Guerrero had a nice little bounce back and we spoke about him a little bit before, but it was nice to see him bounce back a little bit over the last 10 days on the pitching side. If we look over the last month, two of the guys that I discussed, actually three of them, if we count Luis Palacios, but two of the guys that I discussed as an under the radar have been pretty good over the last month. George Soriano is at 40 inches or 40. Wow. 40 innings pitched over the last month. 1.86 1.86 ERA. He has almost 30 strikeouts, only 14 walks. And Adbeto Guerrero, the young 21-year-old that we discussed, 37 innings pitch, 2.68 ERA, 30 strikeouts to 16 walks. So uh, some of the young guys that we have infused this organization from the bottom coming up has been performing very well. So just just uh, continues to highlight what we did, we have discussed the layers of talent the fact that any day you can open up your mi uh you know minor league baseball application go through the different box scores whether it's batavia or clinton or jupiter or jacksonville whatever the case is and you're going to find something to be excited for i'll also just say you know trevor rogers yeah i'll let you talk about it Ian. go for it go by he has been dominating it's exciting yeah, it, thirty-five to Go for it. I want you to do it. I want you to talk. No, about it. I mean, yeah, I'm just, I'm just reading this. I mean, I can't believe I passed him up already. I mean, I know how good Trevor Rogers is, but 
he has been fantastic. I mean, this year, last year, he was had a rough, a rough go of it in Greensboro, but he has came out and dominated his last month right here. He's went 26 innings. He's got 35 Ks to five walks. He's got a 0.69 ERA, which is very nice. Um, <laughs> he's only given up two earned runs. He's nice. been, he's been dominating. I mean, he's, he's probably been the best pitcher, not, not named Edward Cabrera in that rotation this year. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's been exciting. And you brought up Palacios and, that kid can pitch. I mean, yeah. I really think he'll be in Batavia soon. I mean, there's not much more you need to see out of him at the rookie level. He hasn't gave up a walk this year. He hasn't gave up an earned run yet. It's only been 12 innings, but the kid's nasty. Just turned 19. And um, I'm excited to see what he can do on, on a short season or on a, on a full team. And it's funny, Ian, you spoke about, you know, obviously Trevor and the fact that Eddie was there and how he's dominated. And if honestly, if they weren't dominating, we could have spoken about Braxton Garrett this month and it could have been yeah, the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. 23 innings pitch, 30 strikeouts to five walks. That's not a mistake. I'm not reading it incorrectly. I mean, it's very small, like very small, but I think I got it right. 30 strikeouts to five walks is ridiculous. Yeah. Every single night you have a future top of the rotation pitching, man. It's been exciting, man. Can I just shout out Yams? No, I know he's not ours anymore. He's still ours. He's still ours. He's not ours. He'll always be ours. (laughs) Screw it, man. He'll always be ours. Dude, uh, these last 30 day numbers are just ridiculous, man. Uh, He's been tremendous. Just night in, night out. It's so good to see. Uh, I love what he's doing, man. I'm so happy for him. And and I can't wait to see Gallon back out there again. And and I can't wait to see them keep infusing more young guys into this rotation because you see what happens when they get up here they start dominating and yams has earned the right to finish the season out here i think i agree yams is just he brings such a different energy to the mound that's just yeah. so exciting man we haven't seen it in so long i'm not gonna bring up the last time we've seen it but it's been it's yeah. been extremely exciting to see what this kid's done so far in the majors and it's been fun to watch his, his game I mean, last game was so exciting man to be honest thing. with you, like I compared him to Hendricks based off the stuff, but he kind of has a similar demeanor where he's just out there going about his business. I mean, he smiles a little more, maybe gives you a fist bump every once in a while, but he just goes out there and deals and does his business and gets back in the dugout. And then the next inning he comes back out and uh, man, he's been so impressive for such a young kid who wasn't supposed to be here yet. He has been so impressive. And two things to talk about him because I feel like we have to discuss it. Like, screw it if he's not ours anymore. I guess he's, I guess technically He'll he's mine because he's, be he's part yeah, of Fish Bites and yeah, I had him yours. as the pitcher of the week. So yeah. technically, I say that we're allowed to share him. And he hit 95 on the gun yeah, his yeah. last, his last start, which is absurd. And that I want to just say this go for it. That curveball he struck out Freddie Freeman with. Mm. Kind of looks like some screw piece action to it, man. I don't know Dude. what the hell it was, but he died 20, in that corner and got 23 mile an hour difference off the fastball yeah. curveball. He made stupid, he made Freddie, who is one of the best hitters in the game, look absolutely stupid. So, man, ah, yeah, and 95 too. Gaffin guys up with 95. It's been beautiful. Here's, here's my last stat before we go into Ian's segment. Okay, Yamamoto has five starts. He has pitched against St. Louis, then St. Louis again, Philadelphia, Philadelphia again, and Atlanta. Here are the hit totals going in that order. Three against the Cardinals, two against the Cardinals, two against the Phillies, two against the Phillies, two against Atlanta. (laughs) He has given up the highest hit total he's given up is three in his first 
start. It's, it's ridiculous. It's amazing. It's ridiculous. And the most he's walked is four. The most he struck out is seven, which he has done three Twice. times. Three, three times. times. Yep. Braves and then uh, against the Phillies and against the Cardinals. I mean, yeah. this is just, this is ridiculous. His and last I just, start was probably his best, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, it was, to me, what was most impressive, number one, it, he hit 95. That's huge. It could do the same thing, and I mentioned it yesterday. It could do the same thing that it did for Pablo Lopez with his increase in velocity and what it possibly did for Gallon over the last year. And number two, I can't even imagine standing in the batter's box against Jordan, against Yams, knowing that he has six pitches that he could throw at you. He could throw two variations of a curveball. He could throw a few variations of a fastball. Like It's just absurd what he has been able to do. I'm so proud of him. So unpredictable. And again, three hits, two hits, two hits, two hits, two hits. Absurd. The comeback comeback he took last week that he caught was phenomenal. I mean, he Mm could have, it could have been a season ender in no time, you know, like, it was fantastic to see his instincts on the mound. And like I said, when we first talked about him when he was coming up, he has been a bulldog and he's just worked through every kind of struggle that he's had. I mean, was it one six nine, I believe, or one nine six ERA through his first six mm-hmm. starts or first yep. five starts? It's it's phenomenal. I mean, I don't know what else to say about him. When you got an arsenal that deep and you can play it to that to that highest level, then I mean you're gonna pitch well. And if he can sit ninety three, ninety five going forward, then we got a special pitcher coming for us. Yeah, he, he suddenly Absolutely. goes from someone we'd hope to be a number five to someone that could shoot for a number three. I mean it's Absolutely. it's it's impressive. And he has a hit and he has an RBI. He got his first hit against the Braves yeah. this last game, so congrats to him. All right, Ian, go for it with your uh with your pitcher and hitter of the week. Okay. Well, I'm gonna go with another pitcher that I've went with before, but he's been moved up recently and he's been pitching well the last two weeks, and that's Chris Valamont. Uh, he had a rough outing his first week, but he's followed that up with just two solid outings. He's went 14 in the third innings, only gave up eight hits, three earned runs. He struck out 18, and he's only walked three. Um, he's looked really good after just looking very overwhelmed in his first start, and he's dominated two pretty good pretty good uh, lineups. He needed to be in this Jupiter, ro- Jupiter rotation for a while. There just wasn't a spot for him, and now he's really showing why he should be there. He's pitching really well. And I'm excited to see what he can do going forward. Possibly another <clears throat> promotion by the end of the year. And my hitter of the year, and my hitter of the week is a guy we signed back in, I believe, April. And he played for one game, then he was out for two months. Now he's back, and that's Eddie Alvarez in Nola. He's a 28 year old prospect. hasn't made the majors yet, but has been dominating since he's came into the Marlins organization. He's been so good for Nola the last three weeks that I got to give you his season numbers. He's only played in 21 games, but he's hitting 343, or 343. He's got a 423 on base, and I believe he's slugging in the 700s. He's Jeez. got six home runs, six RBIs, excuse me, slugging 672. He's only striking out at a 19% clip. He's walking at a 13% clip. He's been really good. He's stolen six bases. I. He's playing shortstop right now for Nola. He's playing really well, and he's somebody that I had to give a little love this week because he's just playing great baseball. I like both of those, and I agree with you. I was going to ask you if you thought Valamont, before you mentioned it, could get another promotion this year, um, and I wasn't sure you were going to say yes, but it seems like at least you're somewhat open I mean, yeah, I that. feel like if he dominates with that rotation, some of those guys will be on strict innings limits, and he's a guy who – Really won't be. He's thrown 100 innings, I think, back-to-back starts. I mean, 100 pitches and back-to-back starts. He's a guy they're going to go out there and let throw. He's a college arm. I mean, if he if he dominates going forward, I can see him maybe at the end of August getting a, a start or two in Jacksonville. 
All right, Ethan. I see again. I think I always say this when I like transition to you, but it's because I always log in and I see exactly what you're going to talk about, and I'm uh-huh. excited. I'm uh-huh. excited because you have a lot of big names on this one. So I'm gonna let you go to the things you love to see. All right, let's start uh, on Independence Day with a start that I completely missed. But uh, how about Eddie Cabrera, man, going out and showing out on July 4th? Uh, six innings, two hits, no runs, uh, three walks, which you know, a little bit uh, new level. So, you know, give him some time to adjust to that. Uh, But seven strikeouts in six innings is just beautiful. Uh, He kind of was going through the motions in his first couple starts uh, in in Jacksonville. His last start wasn't so great. He gave up six hits, three runs. Uh, Two of them were homers. And he had only had four strikeouts, but comes back and uh, gets back into the kind of groove that he was in in Jupiter uh, that we saw from him all year where he was just dominant six Six innings, uh, you know, and not allowing any runs. You'll take that every single time. Six shutout innings with two hits and seven strikeouts. So just a beautiful outing from him on a beautiful day it was. Uh, Let's talk about my GCL boys. I'm so glad you mentioned them earlier. Uh, Ian, I think it was. And then Danny, you said they're just a bromance right now. And I absolutely am obsessed with them. Uh, Nassim Nunez, our second-round pick from this year, um, and, and Victor Mesa Jr., um, who I jokingly said was the gem of last uh, season's IFA market, but all of a sudden uh, is showing that he might actually, we might actually really have something brewing with him. Um, in his first 11 games uh, in the GCL, he's got a couple doubles. He's taken seven walks. He's only struck out six times. Uh, he's hitting 262. I would like to see a little more power. You know, we saw a few home runs on video from him, but that will come with the time. He's only like 17 years old. And then I'm obsessed with Nassim Nunez. I absolutely love this kid. All he d- this is the first step of me completing my dreams and my goals that I've set since I was a child. And I'm on the verge of it. It feels like home, you know? It's the baseball field. Nothing's new. It's just a little bit bigger. But it's home. He said a, he had a three-walk game on July 1st or on June 29th. He had a two-walk game on July 1st. He had a two-walk game on July 6th. He's got 10 walks this uh, so far in 11 games and only seven strikeouts. He's stolen eight bases. Uh, he's hitting 282 with a 420 OBP. Uh, he's got a couple doubles as well. So these guys have just been tremendous so far, and it's so exciting to see Victor Mesa Jr. producing um, as a 17-year-old facing you know, pro pitching. Um, so yeah, that's what we really love to see this week. I mean, I would love to see Mesa keep racking up some extra base hits. And it looks like these, these two kids are going to have some really solid years in the GCL this year. And, and you know how I, you know how I feel about Eddie. So exciting uh, past couple weeks. Uh, but yeah, that's what I love to see most right there. Oh man. I was waiting for the Nassim stuff. I mean, I've been so excited for his start of this season so far, man. Yeah, it's been man. super yeah. encouraging. I mean, being top five in, in, Stolen bases, walks, and runs is all I love to see for the first two weeks of a pro career, man. So if he can keep doing that, he's got two doubles already. So let's let's see him keep hitting the ball, and he's going to do some special things. He's such a talent, man. Really yeah. is. and It's clear. He, yeah, it's, it's going to be phenomenal to see what this kid, do, kid can do with his career. Yeah, when we're talking about Victor Victor Mesa, you know, we spoke about that the few weeks past that with someone who has the best strikeout rate actually in the organization, he strikes out less than anyone else. All we need to see is some power. And like Ethan, we're right, right? I mean, 
great. He's hitting a few doubles, but it is also exactly what we need. We need to see him a little bit with a little bit more pop. If you're not going to strike out, if you're going to put ball and bat to ball, then we need some pop. So it's nice to see that with Nassim Nunez. You know, I don't know if you guys ever collected baseball cards or if anyone else out there listening connected, like collected uh, Pokemon you know, yeah. cards or, or whatever the case is, right? Um, the Marlins were the kid in your elementary class, the Marlins from a few years ago, were the kids in your elementary class that came in trading cards and they had one binder with one sleeve, nine cards, and they were all awful cards. That's what the Marlins minor league system was a few years ago. The Marlins minor league system right now is the kid who comes in and has three binders filled with 50 sheets of cards and they're all like the holographic cards or the chrome sets, but he doesn't want to trade any of them because they're so nice. That's how I feel about Nassim Nunez. Yeah. Nassim Nunez is a new baseball card with the finest edition and it's numbered and it's chrome. And I don't want to see Nassim Nunez go anywhere, which is odd because we just drafted him. We don't know what he's going to be, but he looks like the fancy card that's going to age and value really well. He looks like he's going to be that Ozzy Albies or that Francisco Lindor or whatever the case is that if there's a card that you want to hold on to, it's him. I'm so happy that you brought up him and the bromance that he has with Victor mm -hmm. Mesa Jr. But seriously, you know, we talk about like trading for Francisco Lindor or whatever the case is, um, hypothetically on Twitter. I don't want Asim Nunez to go anywhere. I really yeah. think that this is going to be the hidden gem that is going to be a perennial guy that we look at and say, man, what a steal of a draft. In a, in a draft where Cameron Meisner yeah. and J.J. Bladé were taken above. So it, it's, it's, it's exciting. The draft is also the theme of my under-the-radar guy. Uh, we've spoken about him already, outfielder J.D. Orr. Okay, I want to read to you just a few highlights of his scouting report from Baseball America when the Marlins drafted him. They drafted him 291st overall in the 10th round. Okay, Orr absolutely flies. Some scouts think he's a legitimate 80-grade runner and over four years with Wright State has stolen 115 bags in 142 attempts or has no power to speak of, right? These are his, their words, but has hit over 300 in back-to-back -back seasons with more walks than strikeouts. Okay. I, I've always been blessed with speed and a lot of people think that's the only reason why I'm successful, but it took a lot of hard work with, with Talarico just of figuring out what worked for me. And it Baseball America, let's put you to the test. In 2019, so far in his short season, Doing he's it. hitting 392. Okay, so he's hitting over 300. His OBP is almost at 500. He's getting on base at almost 50% of the time, and his slugging dips back down to 431. In 51 at bats, he has 20 hits, with only two of them being extra base hits. So the no power that they speak of seems to be accurate. And he has almost 10 stolen bases, again, in 17 games baseball america seems to know what they're talking about and jd Orr is someone who we probably should be talking a bit more about and should be getting that promotion soon what do you think these numbers are stupid i mean just stupid that slash line you mentioned 392 492 431 his weighted runs created plus for a guy that doesn't hit for a ton of power at 182 is insane he's walking more than he's striking out uh let's see the stolen bases yeah, 10 to 9 10 he has 10 walks and yeah. 9 k he's got nine stolen bases uh just just awesome man i mean and he's aggressive on the base pass because he's got he's already gone 13 times in 17 games and he's got nine stolen bases so 
these numbers are tremendous. And yeah, I've, he's done with Batavia. He should be in Clinton, I think. Yeah, I mean, and again, just finding somewhere to play these guys is the, it's becoming a hard thing yeah. to do anymore. I mean, the binders yeah. full of we cards. Are, we are putting talent everywhere and it's just like there's really nowhere to, to give these guys the right the, the at bats they need so they're staying in these spots jd or is definitely should not be in batavia i mean these stats are, are ridiculous he's put he put up these numbers in clinton i feel like so it's mm-hmm. it's it's exciting to see these kids especially from a small school come up and do these numbers like that it's exciting 10 to 9 walks i mean what else can you say about that overall in his college career is 142 to 111 like that's that's dumb <laughs> You know, like the kid just burn. I mean, just state controls the plate and then burns when he gets on flat. I guess on the pads, and I love to see it. I mean, he's definitely the end of the, end of the radar guy, but he doesn't need to be under the radar very long. Yeah, if you look at a net value of bags that he's gotten versus he's lost, so bags that he's lost would just be strikeouts. So he went up to plate, he lost it. He could have got on base, but he messed it up with a strikeout. He's had nine. He's gotten all of those back in stolen bases. He already has nine stolen bases. So he's at a he's at a zero zero sum for losing bases versus gaining them. Oh, and he's walked ten times. He's at a plus ten when you consider those three, which is very hard to do. I'm not sure even the best really the best base runners and the best uh, you know, plate approach guys can have anything close to that. You're lucky if you just get to a zero in net value with that. And he's at a plus ten. So it's exciting to see just another one of the college guys that uh has come on and produced. We didn't even mention Evan Edwards, he continues to produce as well. Verdict as well. I mean, it's really incredible this draft and to think that the top two guys have still not signed. And they will. I still think J.J. Vladey will sign and Cameron Meisner will sign, but it is incredible to think what this draft is already producing. Um, it's just it's just nice to see. It's nice to those, see. All right, those, those two guys are currently the last two of this first 66 picks to be unsigned, so it's going to be an important next couple of days. Yeah, and the deadline, deadline Friday. Friday, right? Correct. Yeah. Yep. I plan to be at Marlins Park Saturday, so let's hope something happens. Yep, yep. I would. I almost want to make bets for when it's going to happen. I'll take Wednesday. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anyone wants to take a Tuesday or a Thursday. I'll take Wednesday as the day that that uh that one of them sides or both of them sides. Hopefully, it happens soon. All right. So before we wrap it up, any any other thoughts? Call up Isan. Call up Isan. Stop saying Call he needs up seasoning. Isan. I need that number. It's one. enough. I need that number one futures jersey though. It's like if they sold those online. I mean, they do, but they're blank. But oh, man. I need that number one blue Marlins jersey tomorrow. Bye. Sorry, yesterday. I need it yesterday. Call him up. He should be up already. It's enough. The question is whether you're also going to like go full jersey and the high knees and just everything. I'd like to see that. I'd like to see that uh, yeah, one day. I'll be that kid. At, I'll be <laughs> at that kid. That kid at the park with you'll the be that adult. Yes. <laughs> All right, fellas. It was nice getting back on the mic with you. Absolutely. We'll talk soon, fellas. To everyone listening, of course, as always, like, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you're at. Seriously, we want to see the reviews, even if it's not so great. Let us know what we're doing. Keep on sending us emails of what you want us to talk about. And as always, we appreciate y'all.